And I'm Ian Silver. Join us on the road to paradise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first Instagram live stream for the road to paradise. I am the technologically inept of the two hosts. Uh, my name is Nate. So, had some thoughts that I wanted to share. I've, I've got this theory um, concerning stories. Uh, like I posted earlier, we're going to be discussing the issue of identity, although maybe not in the way that people anticipate. Um, so a while back in the U.S., um, six months ago, um, our president, Joe Biden, made the comment that he doesn't think that anyone can tell him, can define, rather, what an American is. Um, that prompted a lot of backlash, especially from the conservative right, um, even some liberals were kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily true, although they couldn't give a good explanation as to why. Uh, the conservatives gave an explanation, though. They said, no, 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 we are, if you're an American if you are a citizen of the United States, and if you hold to and abide by the laws that, um, th that we espouse in this country. So specifically, they're referring to the Constitution and the principles upheld in the Declaration of Independence. Now, here's the problem with that. That is, in a secular sense, what a citizen is. In a, what one might even say, in a, in an, in an enlightenment sense of what a citizen is. But that doesn't actually provide any kind of national identity. Laws, laws can apply to anyone, but they don't give you your identity. You know, if if, if you were to ask. So, so, as you guys know, I'm, I'm very fond of uh, the medieval world. Um, if you were to ask someone in uh, Geoffrey of Monmouth's day, so mid-14th century, mid-13th century, rather, what is a Briton? They would be, some. they would say, someone who is descended from Aeneas. We're Trojans, you know? We are the descendants of the royal house of Rome who came to Britain and who under the lineage of kings from Brutus leading up or going to King Arthur um, we, we were the rightful kings of this land right and so one of the ways you see that carried forward now into <clears throat> into the modern world is fairly recently actually I believe this happened in the early 2000s but the, the chair of the journal Arthuriana a gal named Dr. Dorsey um, Armstrong. She took some students to Wales um, and was teaching them a King Arthur course while they were traveling through Wales, which is where a lot of the things that happened in the Arthurian myths are alleged to have happened. And she said, okay, I want you guys to go to a pub, go to various pubs at some point with your copy of the Mabinogion, which to anyone who doesn't know is the cycle of Arthur one of the cycles of Arthurian myths that's specifically Welsh, but it also contains um, other other things like uh, the legends of Taliesin and such, you know, very, very famous bards. But one of her students went into a pub, and there's an old, old Welshman sitting there drinking a beer, and he sits down and shows him the book and says, what is this book, and what is it to you? And 
the Welshman says, oh, that's the book about Arthur. He's my king, right? So 1,600 years in the past, legends from 1,600 years in the past, or at least that originated 1,600 years in the past, informed this man's identity, right? He didn't say, oh, that's a series of stories that we tell because, you know, they're a Welsh, a uniquely Welsh thing. He said, no, 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 this, this informs who I am. I am a subject of King Arthur, even though he's been reposed in Avalon for a thousand years or seven hundred, you know, 1,700 years. He didn't appeal to his laws, right? He didn't appeal to the British royal monarch. He didn't appeal to, oh, I don't know, the, the Edict of Union and some things of this nature. We don't have that in America. All we have are laws. I think at one point, we actually did have an attempt to create a myth that would have been uniquely American, that would have provided us an American identity. And I think there were two instances when that occurred, although we can maybe find some more if we look closely. But the first one are the myths surrounding the Founding Fathers and the Pilgrims, right? So we have this hyper-idealized view, and any, anyone who ends up watching this who was homeschooled in America probably came across these kinds of mythic retellings of the, the pilgrims and their troubles in the old country, and then when they tried to reestablish themselves in, um, in Holland and the Netherlands, and that didn't work out because they were losing their identity, and that didn't mean they weren't obeying the laws and they weren't Christian, but they were losing who they were as British as Englishmen. They were losing that. So then they went to the United States, they went to the New World, so they could try to reestablish this, uh, or to, to establish themselves with their slight twist on what it meant to be English, right? And so, you know, the major players in that are William Bradford and Squanto specifically, right? Um, and later on, we go about 150 years later, right? Um, in the 1750s, 1770s. And we have the French and Indian War, and then the Revolutionary War, which immediately follows it. Or not immediately, but roughly immediately follows it. Right? And we idealize the men that fought in that. You know, we have our villain. We have, you know, we have uh, Lord Cornwallis, who's kind of the, like one of the main henchmen. We have King George III, the mad British king. And on the side of the, the vile traitor, we have Benedict Arnold. You know, and then we have the heroes like Nathan Hale. We have... George Washington, we have Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and these guys, their lives, well, we can read their biographies and their autobiographies. To Americans for a long time, they were mythologized, right? They were the people that we wanted to be like. And moving further forward, and this kind of ties into the second mythic period of American history, I think, and that is the westward expansion, you know, Manifest Destiny is, destiny is kind of is initiated more or less by Thomas Jefferson. Lewis and Clark expedition. We have kind of this, these myths that were told about Lewis and Clark for a little while. You know, we've got the two of them. You've got uh, Sacagawea, and I can never remember the the slave that Clark took with him. But the that opened up the westward expansion phase of of of, uh, of, of American mythology. You know, and that gives rise to this intrepid pioneer and the cowboy who's who's fighting the Indians, right? The Texas Rangers kind of exemplify this in some ways, and that's one of the reasons why I think Texas has managed to hang on to its identity slightly better than the rest of the country, because Texas was the only part of the United States that was a country that existed next to the U.S. that wasn't part of the U.S. and wasn't a colonial power, right? So they've still kind of got this myth, and their founding myth in many ways is the Alamo. 
right? But that is no longer, those things are no longer ubiquitous stories, you know? There, there was a time, and I think the last, one of the last great films that exemplified this was the uh, Civil War film, uh, Gods and Generals, preceded by, you know, which was uh, preceded in the early 90s by Gettysburg. Um, but you look at those movies, and they are not saying that the men who fought for the Confederacy were necessarily fighting for a just and moral cause. But they're not demonizing them as men either. Like, you watch Gettysburg, and James Longstreet, is, General Longstreet, is not put forward as a vile, wicked man. You know, neither is uh, neither is Robert E. Lee, neither is Stonewall Jackson. They're not shown to be morally uh, flawless, not by any means. I mean, there, there are scenes with uh, Stonewall Jackson in, the, in Gods and Generals that was made, I believe, 2002 or 2003, that, you know, he's got slaves, and he's not necessarily treating them with the greatest degree of respect, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't a moral man in many ways. Just because he had some moral failings doesn't mean he was a catastrophic moral failure, right? And that's generally how heroes ought to be portrayed. You know, Arthur, and going back to that, King Arthur is not portrayed as a morally flawless character. He makes many mistakes. I mean, he's killed by his bastard son, right? That's something of a minor error in judgment at least but he's not demonized for that but in america we demonize anyone who has anything that resembles a moral flaw right so we don't for that reason have the real ability i think to claim any kind of national identity because we don't we have no myths, we have no founding myths, and it doesn't matter if, if these myths are known to be made up or blown way out of proportion. You know, a good example is George Washington and the cherry tree, right? Everyone and their grandmother knows that is not true, that didn't happen. But it does appeal to a form of his, to, to Washington's character in a way that, a biography can't, right? And that's not to say that a biography won't show that he's a truthful man, but if you read his biography, you, you know, you're not necessarily going to be walking away with, oh, wow, he told the truth even if it cost him personally. Because when you're reading a biography, it's probably because you're trying to mine it for useful information. You're not trying to pick out what the myths are or what the, what the, what the zeitgeist of his life is. You know, that's not what you're trying to do when you read a biography. So that's mostly what I have to say on that topic, although I don't doubt that Ian and I, next time we get together, we'll have a, some sort of discussion along those lines, because we are going to be talking about Solzhenitsyn's Nobel acceptance speech, which is, if you've never read it, it's only 35-odd pages, wonderful read. You can go back to it many, many times and never fully plumb the depths of what he's saying, and I think it's a good place to go. Um, with that being said, I wonder if anyone has any questions. I see we've got Dan Richards, uh, Chase Taggard Music, and some other folks. Good to see you guys. Uh, but I'm going to sign off here in a moment if people don't have any questions, but it was good to get to talk to you guys for a few minutes. I apologize for any technological errors. I'm not very good at this social media or technology thing. You know, that's uh, just the way it is, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yeah, 
looks like looks like that's it. I'll talk to you guys maybe tomorrow. God bless.